God, let's love the Lord here today. God, we praise your magnificent name. We love you today, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. If you would turn with me to the book of Joel, Joel chapter 3, reading with verse 13. Again, it's so good to have all of our guests here today. We're so thrilled you're here. I got to meet Kyle Johnson here today. So glad that he's here. Thankful for all of our guests. Amen. It's a great day to be in the house of God. Praise the Lord. I heard that we had a great camp meeting this week. I was out of town preaching in, in Arkansas. Their camp meeting also was able to slip down and preach for Bishop Ferris and Clarksville, Arkansas. Powerful move of God. He's doing so much better. It's a miracle. It's a miracle how well he is doing. Aren't we thankful for that? Amen. Amen. And um, we're believing for great things this week. Wednesday night, again, reiterating, Brother Bobby Wade, I believe he's a prophet of the Lord, will be with us this coming Wednesday, also Sunday night. Tuesday and Thursday, he's going to be speaking in McConnellsville. We realize the whole congregation can't go but uh, because of limited space. But there is a move of God. I'm asking you to be in prayer. They're baptizing nearly every service in McConnellsville. People are coming to the Lord. We're so thankful for that. Amen. Breakthrough in Morgan County. Aren't we glad for what God's doing in Morgan County? People are coming to the Lord one after another, one family after another. So we're thrilled about that. Matter of fact, in our five minutes of fire tonight, we'll be hearing from one of their ministers that are there, that have come to the Lord there, have been established there. Brother Marion will be speaking in our five minutes of fire tonight. And also, uh, Brother Giovanni Myers is going to be our evangelist this evening. And we're thankful that God's going to use him mightily in this service. Praise God. Joel 3, 13. I'm just going to preach to you out of something God gave me in prayer a couple weeks ago. It's walking right down along that wall in my prayer time. And God began to deal with me on this. And I began to pray this, verse 14, but I'll read verse 13 first. Put ye in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Everybody shout harvest time. Come get you down for the press is full, the fats overflow, for their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Multitudes, multitudes. They're in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. When you read this, it it is stirring here that there are multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Y'all feel that right now, don't you? When I, when I read that, you can feel the witness of that. Just go through the building. Multitudes, multitudes are in the valley of decision. It's a dangerous time to be undecided about whether you're going to live for God or not. Why? Because for the day of the Lord is near. Amen. Would you... Uh, push off yesterday and push off tomorrow and just for a moment think about right now and open your spirit and I want everybody in the building I want you to say God I'm open for your word to speak to me now hallelujah in Jesus name in 
Jesus' name. You may be seated. There are times as a pastor, when you see a pastor or the word elder, it's interchangeable for the word shepherd. You think of a shepherd, he leads the flock of sheep. That's what I am today. I'm your shepherd. How many know that? I'm the under-shepherd, for the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me and guides me and takes me through places. But there's three sides, really. I would call it, in, in football, they call it three sides of the ball. But three sides that you see of the shepherd's staff is you see the hook on it. And that's to pull the sheep back in that gets stuck in a corner, stuck in a briar patch. They tell me that a sheep, if it gets one bit of its wool stuck in a briar, it'll stay there, eat in a circle, and it will die there unless it is pulled out of where it is. Sometimes we are sheep that need pulled out of our situation. We, we are like sheep that we can go astray. The Bible says all we are like sheep that have gone astray. Aren't you glad that the shepherd pulls us back into the fold? There's other times that the staff is just upright. And what that means, it's a leading where you see that. A tall staff typically and it's, it's leading. Sometimes it's pulling, other times it's leading. But there's the other part of the shaft, that the staff that is blunt in that you need poked every now and then. Don't eat that. That's the wrong direction. I realized last Sunday that I was preaching about marriage and preaching about staying right with God. It was a strong word from the pulpit. I wasn't leading per se or pulling. I was trying to wake us up in the last hour of the church. And I have always believed that the greatest hour of the church would be the last hour of the church. Because Joel prophesied, he said, in the last days, Joel 2 and 28, saith God, I will pour my spirit upon all flesh. Amen. It says old men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. It's gonna be an outpouring of his spirit. Every two seconds, somebody is filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost around the world. Every two seconds, somebody is filled. There are right now, there are people people that are experiencing the Pentecostal experience in South America right now at 30,000 people per day. It's the end time. It's the last time. What you see in the book of Acts, chapter two, three, four, and five, what was over a period of, of, of length in the book of Acts, that didn't happen in three weeks. That happened over a period of a, of a few years, but what you will find is that in two years ago, in the month of February, 5,000 people were filled with the Holy Ghost in one service. Amen. The cripple walked, and uh, someone lied to a preacher and died immediately when he lied to the preacher, just like Ananias and Sapphira. Every miracle that happened in the book of Acts 2, 3, 4, and 5 happened in, in the month of February two years ago. What took years to take place in the book of Acts is happening consistently now in this end time church because the church is bigger than Zanesville 
or it's bigger than the church that was in Jerusalem. It's much larger than that. It is a global church now, not just a Jerusalem church or how many believe the church is all over the world. And he said the end would not come until the gospel has been preached to every nation. Brother Stone King, a few years ago, if you have not, not listened to it, he spoke to the United Nations, one of our pastors in the United Pentecostal Church. He is the ambassador of peace to the United Nations. He speaks, he has a church right now in the United Nations where, where, where Muslims and, and people from all over the world of different uh, 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 religions are now converting and being healed and delivered. One king and his wife, his wife was dying of cancer. There was no one that could help her and they were desperate so they called the United Nations pastor. He goes there secretly into that country where he is the king over this Muslim country country and when he gets into the house he prays for this king's wife and they are both Muslim leading of a Muslim nation and when he says in the name of Jesus she's immediately healed of her cancer and there were converts there Muslims by the thousands are coming to God Come on, I don't know if you've embraced it, but Allah is not God. Amen. Jesus is the one who's the living God. Amen. I feel like Thomas who said, my Lord and my God. <laughs> Somebody say amen. amen. We are no doubt living right now in the greatest hour of the church. We are seeing more miracles. I grew up with miracles. I did. I grew up with seeing miracles and healings. My, my dad would tell stories of people that were delivered and, and set free and blotted eyes would open and cripples would walk. And I've seen that. Uh, I've watched. There's a miracle right here. Vicki, we're so glad you and Henry are here. We're so thankful. She's been waiting over a year to get to the anchor. Amen. Aren't we glad that, that Sister Vicki is here? Praise God. It's doing so much better. God's going to do a great work in your family as well. But we've seen so many miracles. How many can say, I have seen many miracles at the anchor? We can say, I have seen it. I watched a man right here. I don't know where he is. People come in and go, uh, and, and I don't always know where they end up. They come in and get touched. And, and, uh, but a man came in. His hand was crippled like this, and Brother Danny and I were praying, and when I said, in the name of Jesus, that man's crippled hand just did just like that, standing right there. I've seen people that, they're, they're, that had to take off their eye, eyeglasses because God healed their blurred vision. I've seen more miracles than I can count in the last few years of my ministry. And I'm telling you, it is a sign of, of the power of God in his church. But if we're not careful, we will become immune to what God is doing. And when the Spirit of the Lord begins to move among us, it doesn't affect us like it used to. We used to weep and cry at the preaching of the word. We'd wait all week to get into the house of God, excited to just be in his presence. Look at your wife and tell your sweet wife, oh honey, I can't, I can't wait to get to church. I wonder what's gonna happen. Oh, let's go early. Let's, let's get up there and get a good seat. And, oh, because you never know what's gonna happen. And oh, we get to the house of God and so thrilled. And oh, Pastor Bounce, thank you for the word. Or the evangelist, man, that evangelist spoke right to me. And oh, I just, 
just want you to know, we're just so glad to be here, so glad to be saved, so glad to be in the church. It feels so good to have our children loving God, but if you're not careful, you'll get used to it. You'll become comfortable with it until the church is just another part of your weekly schedule to where it doesn't affect you anymore. It doesn't bother you if somebody gets baptized. It doesn't make you joyful if they get baptized, and you could care less whether anybody got baptized or not. If we're not careful in the end time, we would become distracted by the things of the world. And while there is a harvest of ingathering and the supernatural power of God, there's also going to be the distractions at harvest time to get our mind off of what God is doing. And we start falling in love with the world again. We start falling in love with the things of the world again. And he said in the midst of the harvest where the sickle was out, where people were being saved by the millions. And I'm telling you, and I speak it confidently, that we were at the threshold of the, the threshold of sin in North America alone, millions being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There is gonna be a harvest like you've never seen. The anchor cannot hold it. This building is not big enough. We will have to have multiple services on Sunday mornings and beyond. Amen. Do you believe that? We will. This, this church building cannot contain what God is going to do. But can I tell the anchor, it's not time to get distracted by that tempter the devil. It's not time to get our eyes on what we used to be and how we used to live and start thinking the world has something to offer. I feel like preaching tonight or this morning to tell you there's nothing in the world. There's nothing in the world to go back to. There's nothing in the world to leave the church of Jesus Christ for. For there's nothing like the church. Somebody say amen. amen. While the church is going to grow in signs and wonders and miracles. While there is a harvest and an outpouring, you can guarantee that the devil knows that the hour is approaching. He's working double time. He's going to do everything he can to get you out. He's going to do everything he can to get through every portal of your home to destroy your life, to destroy your mind, and to destroy your children. Jesus looked at Simon Peter. He said, Satan desires to sift you as wheat. That means to destroy you, to cup you cut you up in many small pieces to sift you as wheat. He said, but I prayed for you that your faith fail thee not. I can't tell you how many times over the years that I could feel your spirit struggling and I would personally get on my knees and rock back and forth and moan and groan in agony for your soul because there was a war. There was a tug of war. Well, I was trying to pull you in the church. The devil's trying to pull you out of the church. And I'm going to tell you right now, if you're going to leave, you're going to leave over a warring pastor that says, I'm not giving up. I'm not going to give up on you being saved. I'll fight for you. I'll do everything I've got to do. Somebody say amen. Wow, there's a gathering. He said there's also going to be multitudes. At the same time, there's going to be an amazing harvest. He said there's going to be multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Valley of decision.
Multitudes. Multitudes. Not just multitudes. But multitudes. Multitudes. My daddy tells a story. I heard him preaching many times. He said, I it was a it was a period of time and that TV had gotten our home and distracted from prayer times and robbed times of devotion. And let me know what I'm talking about. How many's ever had technology to take away from quality time with family and God? Come on, let's be be honest with the preacher. And uh, he said, I got, got to a place in my life that around that time, he said, I got cold on God. Cold on God. What does that mean, cold on God? You go to church, but really don't feel anything. Just when you're cold on God, you go and you know the songs. And... Uh, <coughs> Oh, see seriously, she's gonna sing that that song again. Then you know that I'm tired, you know. Oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. We sing the songs and don't think about the words. When you're cold on God, it matters who's preaching to you instead of who you come to worship. Well, if it's not pastor, then I, I'll just stay home. Because when you get start getting cold on God, you start watching people instead of thinking about Him. See, church was never supposed to be built around a personality of a preacher or around the effect of a program that we would see Jesus. See, when you're on fire for God, they can get up and sing some dead song like, I come to the garden. It might have a place. I don't want to insult you if that's your favorite song, but that's probably not the best worship song in the church, you know. I come to the garden alone. I don't really feel like worshiping on that song. It moves me, but are you with me? And it doesn't matter what song is being sung. You're just glad to be here. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You can, you can endure imperfections, but all of a sudden when church attendance is no longer as important as it used to be, you know, I, I don't, I, when, when all of a sudden taking, the, taking care of the car is more important, than being in the house of God. My dad got to a place where he was cold in the Lord and my mom looked at him one Sunday and she said, Frank, you're not ready. You're not going to church. He said, honey, you know, I, my back's hurting. I, I'm not going to go today. She said, Frank, you know you don't feel that bad. Thank God for an honest wife. And I have to say it this way. Thank God for a an encouraging spouse. Frank, well, the boys and I are going. He said she left that night. He thought to himself, she's right. 
I'm not going tonight. I'm not missing church tonight because uh, my back's really hurting that bad. I'm not going tonight because I've lost my desire to go to church. You know, the Bible says that to assemble yourselves together more often when you see the hour approaching. Why? Because perilous times shall come. In the end time, dangerous time, yes, it's harvest time. There's a sick on the hand. We're seeing more people get the Holy Ghost, more miracles locally than we've ever seen before. And if we're not careful, while there's in gathering, there's also confusion. Indecisiveness. Not sure if you're going to be living for God in a year. Don't know what your children are going to be doing in a year from now with God. Indecision that's in the heart. If we're not careful while we're living in the end time, we forget that evil men will wax worse and worse in the end time. And dangerous times shall come. Let's read some verses here today as I pastor you from the word of the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Because there's multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. The Bible says it this way. It says in the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. I want us to read it today. We're living in a time when, when, when immorality is magnified and glorified. And Jeremiah said in that day, he said when they commit their abominations, he said they will not even blush. They do these things publicly. Acts of immorality at one time would have been kept in secret, but they talk about it. They promote it. And if you don't agree with them, they despise you for not agreeing with them. When killing babies is now glorified and a right when they're coming out of the womb and they're saying it's okay to kill them outside of the womb. I didn't plan on getting political, but it's not political. It's just wrong to kill babies. I still believe that that life starts with conception. Come on. When Moses was coming to be a deliverer, they started killing all the babies. How many know that? When Jesus came, they started killing all of the babies. And Jesus is about to come again. And what is going on in culture? They're trying to kill the baby. You Come on, quit making excuses for them. Thank God for pro-life Christian groups that are standing up and saying it's not right. It's not the will of God. We ought to promote life. Come on, everybody in the building ought to be on your feet, clapping your hands, saying, preach, pastor. We need somebody to stand up for truth. Come on, everybody in the building ought to stand up and say, come on, pastor, preach the word of God. He told Jeremiah, he said, before I formed thee in the womb, I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet. Jilly was in the womb at 29 weeks and was born. Brother Anthony's baby, little Vivi, 23 weeks out. And look at that baby. When I saw that baby, I cried. And to think they can just look at us as a piece of tissue devaluing life and I realize that 43% of 43 year old women have had abortions in America I realize that 
And that means in this room, the likelihood of people that are under the sound of my voice maybe have had abortions. I haven't come to condemn you. I come to tell you that there's a cross where he died for every sinner and you can be forgiven. But we can't stop preaching against truth because you made a mistake, because somebody failed. We can't preach to just appease people and stop preaching so we won't feel uncomfortable. We need to get uncomfortable from the pulpit and stand for truth and stand for righteousness. While we're on it, you need to understand that yes, there's a great harvest, but divorce is still wrong and it's still sin. I don't want you clapping. I realize that in America, 51% of marriages end in divorce. I realize in Muskingum County, 64% of marriages end in divorce, which means two out of every three people that walk into the sanctuary are gonna come from a blended family, from a divorce background. And I know there's mercy and grace for that. I haven't come to condemn you. But when there's a couple that's going through a struggle and they come to me and they're saying divorce because culture makes it so easy. Well, we don't love each other anymore. You hear me? God forbid that I water down the doctrine because of what the culture says when Jesus said divorce was not so from the beginning. Can I get up and preach? We still got to stand for truth even though there's a tidal wave of culture trying to destroy righteousness. Hear me. I know it's uncomfortable, but what are we gonna do when the value of life is so degraded in the end time that suicide becomes illegal and euthanasia is okay? Well, pastor, who are you to tell me that I can't take my life? Who are you to tell me I can't take this pill and just end it all? I'm tired. Can I tell you, we don't need to promote hopelessness. And if you know somebody's gonna have a baby, somebody that's pregnant, that they're saying, I cannot give it the life that it needs because of addiction. You tell them, we have something called New Beginnings. It's a program where those babies can be adopted and put in a new home. My, I feel my help upon me right now. I just preached. I just preached in Arkansas camp meeting. New Beginnings was there. It's a program of the United Pentecostal Church. It's an adoption agency of the UPC. There's a boy playing the keyboard. His name is Jeremy, uh, Jeremy Guzman. Jeremy Guzman is the first baby adopted in New Beginnings. He's one of the most talented musicians. He's a music director for Brother Gaddy in Cabot, Arkansas. His mother was gonna have an abortion, but somebody told her, if you'll just let us adopt that baby. What the world said was a worthless piece of tissue. God said is a minister of music. Now I'm gonna ask the anchor, do you want me to become cultural or do you want me to stay biblical? I'm gonna ask you again, do you want me to become cultural where I just become Aaron to you and I'm just somebody else in culture or do you want me to be the man of God that he called me to be to preach truth without fear or favor to preach the word of God? 
Let me tell you what will happen. If I become cultural and not biblical, we'll have church members and no conversions. We'll have a hireling and not a pastor. There's no personality that can save you from sin. But Paul said, he said, I'm a debtor to you that are in Rome also. I'm ready to preach the gospel of Christ. He said, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. I come to preach to you. There's still power in truth preaching. There's still power in preaching the word of God. There's still power. I realize, young people, that culture says that fornication is the way that you should go. You should get to know them before you marry them. So it's okay, just as long as sex is practiced safe. Protect yourself from disease, but go ahead and get involved. There are some things that were kept only for marriage. Hebrews 13 and 4 says that marriage is honorable at all and the bed undefiled. The only thing that keeps the bed undefiled is marriage. Hold on a minute. I know they say you're your own kid. You're your own person. You need to have, explore sexuality. Figure it out. Before long, they'll let you choose whoever and however in sexuality. When I was in school, they didn't teach abstinence. They taught us to have safe, to be safe, that you don't have to stay virgins. But the Bible says, don't let it be named among you one time. It even goes as far to say, to abstain from fornicators. There's a difference between being a fornicator and messing up. But somebody that promotes it, continually gets involved in it, trying to get others involved in it, the Bible says abstain from that. I realize this is a popular preaching and it surprises me. How many people tell me, that? boy, you just tell it like it is. You, you're just blunt, you're, you're, you're strong. Oh no, I'm not trying to get a, a response. You're just blunt. I can't believe that just stating truth and preaching the Bible puts me into a place of just being bold. People act like I'm hard because I get up and I just tell you the Bible says it should be named among you. Divorce is not so from the beginning. We ought to choose life. That shouldn't be uncommon in the church preached. And I'm going to tell every parent, don't you be into the culture of society. You look at your children. I'm going to preach to you. Let's look at Hebrews 11. I realize I didn't read 2 Timothy 3, but I will. Oh my God, there's people in this room saying, I've never heard preaching like this. Well, welcome to the anchor. Come on. This isn't about feeling good about your sin. This is about, oh God, I don't want to be lost. We're too near the end of the world. We're too near the coming of the Lord to just sit back. Oh God, I want my heart to be right. There's an old song that says, keeping my record white, watching both day and night. Is there anybody here that says, I want to be ready for the rapture. I want to be ready when it comes. Come on. 
Watch what it says. In Hebrews 11, the Bible says, verse seven, and I had to make my mind up, elders, as a pastor, that this would be a theme verse for who I'm gonna be. In time, as it was, in the days of Noah, so shall it be. Verse seven, by faith Noah being warned of God, everybody shout warned of God, of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. When's the last time you trembled? God, what if, what if the Lord would have showed up while we were watching that movie? I'm gonna tell you, those in the multitudes, part of the multitude of decision, what are you gonna do if the Lord comes on Tuesday? What are you gonna do when you walk out of the church and you didn't heed to the warning? I realize we can't live for God always out of fear, but there ought to be an element of fear in us. I'm terrified to walk away from God. He was warned by God. He was moved by fear. And watch what it says. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house by the which he condemned the world. He prepared an ark he condemned the world and he saved his house. Do not allow culture to steer your parenting. When the child says, well, everybody else is playing the video game. But we're not everybody else. Everybody else, it's the rage, it's the rave. Can't believe some of the things that parents watch and allow their families to watch this close to the rapture. I'll tell you why they do it. Because they're multitudes in the valley of decision. Hear me, every parent in the room, if you do not condemn the world by saying this is not biblical, not in my house, your children aren't going to make it. They will become desensitized and think like, Simon, be careful. Luke says, can't remember, Brother Jake, help me. You're going to be Simon Peter for a minute. Go way over there. When he followed the Lord, Afar off, he sat down among them. You know who them was? Crucify him. Crucify him. But not too long ago, when he was close to him, run back over here, Brother Jake. When he was close to the Lord, and they come to take him away, he pulled his sword out and cut Malchus's ear off because when you're close to God, You'll fight for things that are spiritually right. But when you become distant from God, you'll become a part of culture. Even at the expense of mocking and destroying biblical principles. The only thing that makes biblical principles right and visible and understood is when you're close to God. When you become distanced from the Lord, 
the Bible makes no sense. It makes sense, young people, when you're at a youth camp and you've been on your knees and the Holy Ghost has been moving and you're saying, you know what, I'm going to wait till I'm married. I'm breaking up with that boy. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to let that in my heart because you feel close to God. You want to please him and you believe his word. But the day you become distant, all of a sudden his word becomes blurred. Paul said, I write you even weeping that those that were once with us are now the enemies of the cross. I know it's hard today, but he said it's like a dog returning to its vomit. It would have been better to have never known than to have known and walk away. You say, why are you preach like this? Because I love you enough to stand between you and the devil trying to pull you out and tell you, don't walk away from God. It's too late in the game to play games with God. Don't be in indecision with God. Get your mind made up. The Lord is coming. And he's coming after a bride that has made themselves ready. Come on, do you want me to change or you want me to be who God's called me to be? I come to tell you, come out of indecision. Come out of chaos. God can, can, God can forgive you. Look what it says. Everybody shout, condemn the world. Where there is a void of clear speaking in the home, there will be a vacuum of another voice that will teach your children the way of culture if you are not teaching them the way of God. And be careful to miss church for cultural experiences because you're training them up. You're not raising children. You're training children. And when you allow them to miss the house of God for present day fun, I'm not talking about a vacation every now and then. I've had people over the years that walked up to me I know it's hard to hear. They walk up to me and they say, Pastor, we love the church. I look at the young man. I can, hear his, I can see his face and hear his name right now. He loves God, but it's football season. We'll be back after football season. Never come back. He's not living for God now. He wants nothing to do, nothing to do with God now. Why? Because living your dreams through your children. You want them to be culturally accepted more than you want them to be right with God. And if God comes, what's going to matter? The trophy at the end of the season, some accolades, maybe a picture in the paper. What about eternity? Because the Bible tells us again and again and again about having a Sabbath and keeping it in a place with God. I'm preaching to you. Don't get caught up in the world. Don't get caught up in the things of the world. Don't you live in the cultural place of the world that your children will not ever know God. Train them up and say, this is the most important place in town. A relationship with God is more important than anything else there is. Somebody say amen. But Pastor, I don't, I don't know if I need that. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if I believe that. Surely they'll be okay. Surely God will understand. He doesn't. He doesn't understand putting the world before him. He doesn't understand trying to get your children to be accepted over being accepted by him. The Bible says, if you will do right, will you not be accepted? 
and I preach on behalf of your children the same way my dad did. He said he showed up at church during that season in his life. He said he looked at the attendance board and said to himself, I don't even care how many people are here. He said, it doesn't bother me. If nobody repents, no one gets baptized. I'm talking about Bishop Frank Bounds. He said, it doesn't bother me. Anything that would happen, he said, I was just showing up. And he said, and I realized when I looked over at my boys and I didn't care anything about the church, I said to myself, what's going to happen to David and Aaron if I don't get on get right with God again? He said, I wasn't, I wasn't committing adultery. He said, I wasn't cursing. I wasn't using nicotine or alcohol. He said, my heart wasn't sinful. He said, I just got cold on God and lost my desire to be in his house and to pray and to be in the word I'm going to tell you as a little boy that's now a grown man I'm glad my dad bent his knee at the altar one more time and said God for the sake of my children I got to get right with you again I stand here today because a daddy made a decision to live for the Lord I'm here today because in a moment of indecision and being undecided, he said, for the sake of my kids. For the sake of my kids. 2 Timothy 3 and 1, this know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Bear with me today. I'll be done in a few moments. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Watch what it says. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. How many believe we lived in that day? Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures. More than lovers of God preaching to you today because in an end time harvest that is magnificent we're living also in the most dangerous time it's ever been our children and our adults have more options with sin than they've ever had more access to secret immorality than they've ever had and if we're not careful we will train up children to love culture instead of the kingdom of God how many hear what I'm preaching I'm preaching to everybody in this room right now. You might be on fire for God, but the devil might come in to try to tempt you, to pull you away. But I come to preach you out of indecision and out of the valley of decision and you stand up and make a choice. I'm gonna live for Jesus and let the world go by. Come on, I wish somebody would jump your feet and say, I have decided to live for Jesus. Come on, everybody in the building, I want you to stand to your feet. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. The question today is simple. Have you decided? If you have not decided whether you're going to be living for God in a year from now, guess what? You just opened yourself up to the marketplace. There's now a price that you've opened. If you're not decided, there's a price. It simply says across your chest, across your forehead, for sale available and the devil will go to every extreme to buy you from the kingdom amen how many know if you can be tempted away from him you're going to be tempted away from him 
If you can be bought, you will be bought. Because the Bible says that which can be shaken. I didn't preach hard, I just preached truth. How about verses like this? Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world. Love not the world. Is it fun, young people? You better believe it is. I've never smoked weed, but they tell me it feels good. I've never been drunk. Sorry, asked me the other day. He said, Dad, people want to get drunk? Do they enjoy that? I said, I guess they do. Walk into the gas station. Three coolers of juice, milk, and soda, and sweet tea. Ten coolers of alcohol. I said, I guess it does. And culture says, it's your own right. Do what you will. Do you know that's the statement of the satanic Bible? Do what thou wilt. It's not the Bible. Take up your cross. It doesn't always feel good to say no to your flesh. Sometimes it feels like it would feel better to give in to the temptation of your flesh. I have decided to follow Jesus. How many feel that way? I have decided to follow Jesus. I chose to give all of my giftings and talents and strength and energy to the kingdom of God. I have decided to follow Jesus. I won't turn back. You can take this whole world But give me Jesus You can take this whole world But give me Jesus You can take this whole world
upon the Lord's calling. If I've ever preached a message with a warning flashing sign, it's right now. If you'll decide, the Lord's going to give you desire and strength to do his will. But if you leave God, you're going to lose your desire for everything you've loved in that book. And your children won't know him. What about the little guy? What about the little girl? I want us to pray all over the building. The Holy Ghost is speaking. Come on, I'm preaching to some people that are undecided. This is an eternal decision. This is not just a cultural decision. Come on, all over the building. Oh, God. The Lord's going to give you forgiveness if you sinned. He's going to give you grace if you're weak. He's going to help you. We're too near the end time to end up in the valley of decision. Come on. I realize there's a strong pull to get you to fail. But I'm pulling with everything I've got to get you to live for God. Hallelujah. He's waiting on somebody to say, Lord, I'm going to live for you. Oh, God, I'll never leave. I'll never leave. Who's going to come to the altar today and say, for the sake of my family? Come on, man of God, you're just in a valley. He got weary with fighting. But for the sake of my family... I've got too many people watching me to leave God. Hallelujah. Come on, people are gathering from all over the building. We're too near the day of the Lord. We're too near the day of the Lord. Come on, why don't we rededicate our families today Yes, it's an end time outpouring of his spirit, but there's also distractions at harvest time. Come on, daddy. Oh, God, I've got a responsibility. Come on, mama. I've got a responsibility. I must be saved. Go ahead, Sister Kim. <laughs> Say.